little bit of time before we see if these really are properly reported, properly confirmed cases. Tony, it's always good to talk to you. Thank you very much for joining us this Thank morning. Thank you, Peter. Talk. Thanks, Tony. That's Tony Nash, who's the Thank founder, you. CEO, and chief economist at Complete Intelligence. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. And here in Asia, markets, equity markets are starting to fall further uh, once again this morning. In Australia, first of all, the ASX 200 is now down 0.4%. The Nikkei 225 in Japan is off about three quarters of a percent over in South Korea. The Cosby is unchanged, but it does look like the Hang Seng is going to add to the losses we saw yesterday. Looks like it's going to uh, lose about another 200 points or so at uh, the open. Brent crude oil slipping as well. It's at $59.81 a barrel. Gold is a little bit firmer. It's trading at $1,578 an ounce. And the Japanese yen is around 109 to the US dollar right now. I'll be back tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. An update on the weather forecast for today. It is going to be fine. Cold in the morning. There is a cold weather warning in force. Very dry during the day with a maximum temperature of around 18 degrees. And it is going to remain cold tomorrow morning with relatively large temperature differences between day and night. There is also a red fire danger warning in force. It's 12 degrees right now and 45% relative humidity. It's 8.31. Here's Samantha Butler with the Half Hour News. Mainland authorities say the number of confirmed deaths from the new coronavirus has risen to 170, with Hubei province reporting all but one of the 38 new fatalities. The other death was in Sichuan province. It's the biggest single-day increase in fatalities. Most of the new infections also occurred in Hubei, which reported over 1,000 new confirmed cases, bringing the total on the mainland to around 7,700. The World Health Organization says the whole world needs to take action to stop the spread of the new coronavirus. The WHO will today decide whether to declare a global health emergency. The head of the organization, Tedros Adhanom, was speaking in Geneva. The continued increase in cases and the evidence of human-to-human transmission outside China are, of course, both deeply concerning, although the numbers outside China are still relatively small. They hold the potential for a much larger outbreak. Human rights group Amnesty International says 2019 was a year of both repression and resistance for Hong Kong, with youth at the forefront of people's struggle to protect fundamental freedoms. Alex Price reports. In its latest annual report on human rights in Asia, Amnesty International said Hong Kong authorities are increasingly adopting the mainland's vague and all-encompassing definition of national security, while violating people's rights to freedom of peaceful assembly, expression and association. The group said there was a rapid deterioration in the city's human rights situation, which was dominated by months of sometimes violent anti-government protests stemming from opposition to the now-withdrawn extradition bill. It said authorities showed an apparent thirst for retaliation, accusing police of excessive force at protests and a pattern of arbitrary arrests. Amnesty had ten recommendations for the government, including for rights to be respected and protected. A new study suggests a worst-case scenario for the rate of global warming is no longer applicable. Here's the BBC's Matt McGrath. About 10 years ago, researchers developed four carbon emission scenarios to help them predict how much the world might warm this century. The highest framework depicted a world where coal use increased rapidly and where there were almost no attempts by governments to curb carbon. Among climate scientists, it became known as the business-as-usual projection. This scheme is no longer plausible and shouldn't be used, say researchers. 
Instead of a world that warms by 6 degrees Celsius as imagined in the extreme scenario, the authors of this new work say that 3 degrees is now much more realistic. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Bag Chat. I'm Hugh Chivert and your co-host today is Andrew Work. Andrew, good morning to you. Good morning, Hugh. More on the coronavirus today as the number of infections in China outstrips SARS. Two new cases confirmed in Hong Kong and the number of deaths on the mainland has leapt to 170 reported yesterday. So, uh, masks, rice, unions and the WHO, what do you make of measures being taken here and on the mainland and on the world stage? What are the prospects of a strike by healthcare workers next week? Let us know your thoughts, your questions and your comments for our experts this morning. Uh, you can uh, send a message on our Facebook page, that's Backchat on RTHK Radio 3, we'll read that out or you can email Backchat at RTHK dot hk and we'll read out those comments uh, or you can just give us a call and you can talk directly to our expert guests this morning 233-88266 is the number 233-88266 if you've got any questions or as I say comments joining us for the first part of the uh, program until nine this morning uh, we have Dr Henry Young Chu Fat who's president of the Hong Kong Doctors Union and Dr Pam Pei Cho who's a former legislator and a Hong Kong medical and healthcare staff general union and former vice chairman of of the uh, Hong Kong Federation of Trade Unions, the uh, FTU. Uh, good morning to both of you. Good morning. Uh, do- uh, Dr. Young, maybe let's start with kind of a, a, an issue that's pressing on, on many minds. That that yeah. are the uh, the face masks we've seen, um, you know, yeah. already photographs of, of queues and even fights in shops and, and things like this. What's your take on that? It seems like everybody in the world now wants face masks, and there simply aren't enough to go around. Uh, what's What's going to happen? What would you advise people, the administration, to do? Well, I think the face mask is very important in this aspect of the coronavirus uh, because the virus will, will actually enter the body through the mucous membrane of the eyes, the nose, and the mouth, and even uh, going to the respiratory tract. And that's, that's why the face mask is very important. Uh, I think with the happenings of the SARS in 2003, and everybody is uh, uh, smart enough to to know that uh, this is a very the face was a very important uh, measure uh, to stop the virus spreading, and that's why the everybody rushed to the to 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 to, to, to buy the face mask, and that's why as this uh, sudden sudden rush of the people give rise to um, shortage in the uh, in these few days. I think uh, for our members in the private practice, uh, they are they are talk, talking about uh, uh, thirty to forty thousand of shortage of masks for them to work in the private clinics uh, for one week, and they are varying that if there's no mask available, that they have to close the clinics after all. Has that happened yet? This will dangerous to patients and to themselves if there's no mask uh, available, and that's why we are pushing. <clears throat> The government to see whether there's uh, 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 some stock in the public sector that can be spared to the private for the time being. Have we have we seen clinics closing yet? I mean, ideally, you'd rather have people coming into clinics on a scheduled basis, so they're not running into too many other people, as opposed to piling up in hospital ERs. Um, but have you seen clinics closing yet, or have you seen doctors uh, headed for the golf course saying, "Nope, that's uh, it"? There are some clinics. 
there's, there's certain clinics are closing and there's, there's certain clinics that are not opening after the Chinese deals yet, New Year, yet, New Year holidays yet. And uh, as usual, in, as, as a practice in the SARS period, uh, there, there are not, not many patients queuing up in the clinic while, clinics while they wait outside for the, for the nurse to call them in. So there's uh, one or two patients in that clinic uh, f uh, waiting for consultation instead of there are lots of people there uh, as compared to, uh, when there's no SARS uh, around, you know. And uh, this is a measure that we can uh, stop uh, the spreading of the virus uh, through uh, close uh, uh, personal contacts. Yeah. Oh, okay. Is is there is there is there another problem? Are we suffering a shortage of doctors in Hong Kong right now? That being said, like we're talking about a shortage of masks that might put doctors out of commission, but are, are doctors managing the caseload now? Are they seeing all the people that want to be seen at this point, or you know, do we have long lineups at hospital ERs? Are there people that are not being checked, or are we on top of it as a city? I think I think the citizens are worried about uh, the, 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 the the treatment in the hospitals because they worry that there will be uh, some index or suspicious cases of uh, the sort of Wuhan uh, SARS, and they rather like to turn turn back to the private clinics for treatment if there's if there's necessary, and I think they won't go to the clinics too lightly, except except when there's high fever that they would like to turn into private clinics for help. And in private clinics, uh, we used to, we are, we are now uh, taking steps to prevent any uh, possible cases of uh, Wuhan SARS that may come to the clinic for treatment. Well, uh, from the travel history that we have to ask for the patients, whether they have been to the mainland China or the Wuhan especially, and, and with the fever, then we will immediately report to the government and refer the patient to the HA instead of uh, treating them inside the private clinics because that would be, uh, be doing harm to the clinics. And also in the private clinics, we have no tests to distinguish whether uh, they are genuine case of the, uh, the wars, you know. Yeah, but quick, quick answer. Are we on top of it or not? Or are we falling behind in checking? No, we, are not, we, cannot, we, we, we are not uh, able to acquire those quick tests nowadays. Uh, so the quick tests can not. be now uh, uh, available in the uh, public sector, not in public sector yet. All right. Uh, Pan Pei Cho, Dr. Pan, good morning to you. Morning. I, I think the FTU has a has a policy or a recommendation on on uh, masks. What, what's your take? What do you think the administration should be doing now on the supply of masks in Hong Kong? Yes, I think the the shortage is actually due to a sudden surge in the actually quite global uh, demand of uh, this personal protection things. Not just masks, uh, but also other personal protection uh, uh, equipments. So uh, at hospital, of course, the demand. Uh, uh, extends over to like uh, uh, goggles covering the eyes and the face uh, protection things and also caps and also uh, disposable gowns. Uh, and all these things are in uh, relatively short supply because the public hospitals do have uh, a stock uh, normally for use, but because suddenly many areas uh, uh, which previously do not have to use these equipments uh, have to start using them. For example, in clinics where we have, uh, uh, in the psychiatric clinic, where, where we have uh, set up a, a triage uh, desk, right? And people uh, who are staff who are uh, uh, managing this uh, uh, triage desk have to put on 
some of these uh, uh, personal protection equipments, uh, which they uh, which is normally not necessary. So suddenly there's a global uh, increase in demand. So there's a acute shortage. Uh, I think the government should try very hard to source uh, to get uh, adequate supply of these equipments. Now, these uh, the manufacturing of these uh, things uh, should be should not be uh, technically too difficult, right? And uh, so it's just a matter of turning the, the say the uh, manufacturing machines right in full gear, right, and to get as many uh, 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 products possible, right? So this will take a bit of time. So I hope the government can uh, say help uh, say the uh, health sector, the the clinics, both doctors and nurses in public and private, right, to secure an adequate supply of such equipments and also for the local citizens because everyone nowadays needs uh, facial masks right, uh, to protect them. And as Dr. Henry Yao has mentioned, these are very effective uh, for, most, uh, for, for everyone. Right? So this is our utmost emergency, I would say. Well, we've also had a warning from the micro. Yeah. Yeah, the morning from the microbiology, you know, uh, yeah. there are a lot of asymptomatic cases. There are certain cases that may be that may be carrying along uh, the virus and may be very dangerous, infective to patients or to, to citizens around. And that's why uh, we, uh, all citizens in Hong Kong, when they go to streets, to go, go get themselves to really compulsory wear masks. Otherwise, uh, they cannot protect themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's why there's a large shortage of masks now. This is compared to the period of SARS 2003, when there, the, the SARS areas, they are always associated with symptoms. But this was uh, weak. Okay, so I think every, everybody in the city's got the message, right? Wear masks, yep. wash your hands, yep. generally keep clean. Is, yep. there any, is, is there anything we're missing here? Uh, yeah. These are the basic think, things. Uh, yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. Great. So, so when we're dealing with people who actually have the disease, you know, we started talking a little bit about a shortage of medical staff. Uh, and one of the things that's really inflamed, it seems, some of the medical staff in Hong Kong is the flow of mainland Chinese coming to Hong Kong. Uh, you know, leading stories about medical staff going on strike. I think we saw a note that 100 nurses took part uh, in a uh, in a strike. What is the sentiment among your members within the unions, uh, Dr. Pan and Dr. Young? You know, you're you're, you're representing trade union members. Um, yep. Where does this you know where, where does the balance between serving the public and taking a stand to get the government to tighten up the border. When, when does the balance between those two things I, switch, where they say, listen, we're doing our best we can, but I, I, we have to I, take a stand? I don't think we support the, the strike, you know, because uh, actually we are saving people that is, uh, in the hospitals and the, in the clinics. And uh, this is our duty to, uh, as doctors and nurses to, to save people. And I think the strike... Uh, uh, proposed by some other association, which is just a, just a gesture to the government to make sure that the government will close the borders completely uh, in whatever ways to stop the, the germs or the virus coming across the border. And that's the most important thing. If we cannot stop the influx of virus, then Hong Kong may, 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 may you know, will be very, you know, lead to a very difficult situation where there's not enough medical staff to cope with such large, huge Right, because I mean, the, the government has announced they're going to be closing uh, the ferry terminals. They're going to be closing the West Kowloon train station. 
Uh, I think the Hong Hum station as well. Uh, flights are going to be cut by half. Train arrivals, or sorry, I've, I've already ruled out the train arrivals. Uh, the bus tours are going to be cut by half. Uh, and then if, I think Shenzhen yeah, border is still the, open. But, but that's right. There are 200,000 to 300,000 people coming across the borders every day. And there's the portal. Yeah, and I mean, people are saying, wow, that sounds like a lot. But in reality, it represents maybe 10 to 15% of total people crossing the border. What, what yeah, are your, what are your sense of those numbers? Problem, yeah. Is the government doing enough in terms should they should they just close the border completely i mean is that too drastic i think they you know, they should more to do more drastic as compared with SARS in 2003 because i have said before uh, according to microbiologists there are a lot of asymptomatic asymptomatic carriers that that they impose a, a very big problem we cannot detect them in the border at all so you think we should close the border completely is that your position sure Apart from emergency personnel and also some special special functions personnel that we have to to, to, to let them go around like uh, supply supplies of food and other substance, you know. Okay, what 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 are other panelists saying? So we we've got one of you on the record is saying yes, close the border completely. Others, um, I think that yeah, uh, yeah. The, well, uh, I think the government has taken some uh, important steps, right, in uh, say reducing the flow right, between uh, close the border. And uh, I would rather say, uh, say, uh, give the government some time, right? And, and let's see. Right now, say uh, uh, in Hong Kong, I'm not. We are not seeing a lot of, uh, say, uh, patients uh, coming from the mainland to get treatment. As, as you can see, the our case right, has uh, uh, there's only very slight increase in the uh, detected cases uh, of the the new coronavirus over the last uh, week or so. So I think that um, uh, because the, the action is taken by both sides, first of all, uh, the mainland government has uh, stopped issuing uh, the, say, uh, 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 permits right, for mainland uh, uh, tourists to come to Hong Kong. So this is a, a major uh, step. And also Hong Kong is taking steps to uh, close some of the border crossing points. And uh, of course, uh, as you have mentioned, that uh, the main bulk right, of the cross-border, uh, uh, say, uh, uh, entry right, is still not closed. And I think we have to uh, consider, the, say, pros and cons. Uh, at this step, I, I think that uh, the government should watch very carefully Right, if the flow is uh, actually causing problem, uh, putting pressure on our public uh, uh, health system or private health system, then more drastic steps have to be taken. And in that point, I agree with Dr. Young. So, so Dr. Young uh, said we should close the border, but Dr. Pan, you're saying wait and see? Uh, my I, mean, I, don't, I don't think so. Yeah. I, I think we should do more one step in advance because we don't yeah. like to do things that's not possible when, especially when there's a sudden rise of the patients exponentially because of there's, there's, there, there, there are a lot of asymptomatic cases crossing, crossing into Hong Kong and the, the, the health personnel cannot detect them and that's a problem. So we've got we've got one that says definitely if, close the border, if, one that says... We will guarantee that there are persons uh, crossing the border without symptoms, they won't uh, carry carrying along with virus, that's okay, but, but we cannot confirm that, you know, and we, we are just, 
just letting the virus into Hong Kong, and that's that's a source of infection that we we can we can anticipate. And uh, just like the microbiologists have uh, wondered that uh, in this couple of weeks, then we just be, we will saw the saw the rise, exponential rise of the of the patients. Now I think at, at the moment there are a lot of Hong Kong people returning to Hong Kong, right? So it's a matter of uh, we have to let these people in, right? If you uh, close, if you close the, the the border checkpoint, then this, how can these people return to Hong Kong? So this is one point, right? They they, they can't live for. Uh, that, we, could, we can we can let, we can let them in and and let them uh, quarantine for 14 days before they are left free uh, to go go around inside the city. And we can do some measures to control that. Okay, I, I think the government should uh, think yeah. about the logistics of uh, doing such things, yeah. right, yeah. at this yeah. stage, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, yeah. and then, uh, if it is possible and if it is necessary, then this may be uh, a step to take, right? So that that's my point. Okay, this, we've had a few interesting uh, emails with a kind of a common theme that you might want to uh, discuss when we talk about shutting the border and so on. Uh, first of all, this is from uh, Peter. I'll just have to edit this a little bit for time, Peter, uh, who says, Dear Backchat, I don't want to downplay the importance of stopping the novel coronavirus outbreak as its transmission pathway to humans is not clear, it's spreading fast, and the risk of mutation persists. However, the spread of rumours without presenting facts is certainly not helpful. Neither is the attempt of the pandemic and radical protesters to exploit the current crisis to revive the protest movement, attack mainlanders, asking medical staff to go on strike and even propose to close the, door, the border to the mainland. It appears racism and sinophobia infects even science and statistics. To the local fascists spreading sinophobia and rumours, did they ever consider that most of Hong Kong's basic necessities and supply comes from across the border? What about later on when the epidemic is spreading via other countries? Will they advocate not to let in returning Hong Kong people, Taiwanese, Americans or Europeans? After a late start to contain the initial outbreak, China goes to great lengths stopping the outbreak, even putting whole cities under quarantine. As many local and international media start pointing fingers, blaming China not doing enough, doing it wrong or not being honest, it might be also important to put this outbreak into perspective and compare the risk to other active diseases. For instance, just look at the current flu season estimates for the US and current death rates uh, just for the flu. The CDC, that's in America, estimates that from October last year through January the 18th, there have been uh, 15 to 20 million uh, flu illnesses uh, and other figures uh, on the... Uh, uh, he, uh, yeah, Peter also says, um, moreover, look at the 2009 H1N1 flu pandemic that was first detected in the USA, not China, and how badly the US handled the outbreak in comparison. Stop making a bad situation worse and focus on facts. Stop spreading rumours and instead show some solidarity and support with mainland Chinese people and especially the medical teams who are in a race against time and under tremendous stress. Uh, yeah, um, Pam Pei Cho, uh, do you agree with that? How do you feel about that? Do you feel that uh, we should show more, show more solidarity and support with mainland Chinese people? Yes, I agree with this, uh, uh, this uh, uh, audience uh, uh, opinion uh, in the sense that, uh, first of all, uh, if you look at the trend of the, of the, of the new uh, infection, uh, it's clear that, uh, first of all, the... Uh, uh, cases outside of uh, of Hubei province uh, increases actually uh, has has much much slowed down. So if you look at the charts, right, uh, there are not that many new cases outside Hubei province. 
And so nowadays, the, the main uh, new cases uh, arises in Hubei province, especially uh, Wuhan. So uh, I think that uh, the policy of uh, uh, closing down the city uh, is uh, putting an effect, uh, is uh, having an effect. Also, if you look at the global trend, um, say for the majority of the countries, or most of the countries uh, outside uh, China, uh, the, the, there has been very, very few new cases, right? And uh, I think apart from Japan, the, all the cases are coming from from uh, mainland China, especially from from uh, Wuhan. So I think that actually uh, it's it's. Uh, it's putting a very good uh, control right, on the spread of the of the disease, and uh, so over the next few days we we can watch very carefully. As far as I can see, the the trend of increase in new cases uh, has actually uh, as at least uh, been static, and uh, or is there slight improvement right in uh, in a decrease in in new case rate. So that's that's my observation. Okay, the, so we, we don't have to panic about that. Right. Well, there's a, there's a uh, as I say a common uh, theme among some other emails. One f from uh, Dy and one from Ching. Are you related? Uh, Dy says the pro democracy protesters' demand for complete closure of Hong Kong's border with mainland China is driven by hatred and bigotry against mainland Chinese people, and is highly undemocratic. No democratic government would introduce such a draconian measure. Dictatorships might. It would make more sense to propose closing all of Hong Kong's borders as well as ports and airports so that no one from any country or territory can enter or leave. Then it might serve the purpose of quarantining the whole of Hong Kong to prevent further imported affection. However, the economic impact and reputation damage would be immeasurable. That's why this is not an option either. It comes from DY. And Ching says, Hi RTHK, the Hong Kong protesters' efforts to revive interest in their actions by politicising the mainland epidemic are outright repulsive. At the same time, we've seen an upsurge in racist news reports and commentaries and xenophobic chatter about China and Chinese people in Western and Asian media as well as on social media. Uh, and it, there's a link to the South China Morning Post article on the topic. These people, says Ching, if they are capable of any self-reflection, should be aware by now that they have simply exposed their own ignorance, prejudice as well as their pathetic insecurities in the face of the rise of China. Even the BBC is waking up. It has reported warnings against xenophobia related to the epidemic in China by boarding schools in the UK. Some schools in the UK are advised to take action against any signs of prejudice from British or other pupils against pupils from the affected areas in China. Has Bankchat invited on-air discussions on this subject? If not, you should. It's your duty to play a part in fighting prejudice uh, in times of crisis. That comes from Cheng. Pampei Cho, do you, want, do you agree? Do you want to respond to that? Uh, I think that... Um we, we have to be very cautious about uh, this new uh, uh, disease, right, because it is very infectious, right? I think the, any amount of caution and, uh, say, attention put on it is, uh, is not excessive, right? But on the other hand, we also have to, be, uh, to keep ourselves in perspective because if you say we have, I mean, I'm a veteran of the, of the, of the SARS, right? So during that period of time, I, I worked in, uh, in a hospital which took a lot of uh, patients uh, from, from a major outbreak in, in the community, right? And, uh, but nevertheless, I, I think that uh, I, I know uh, respiratory physicians, I know people, doctors who have volunteered to work in, uh, to look after the SARS patients and, uh, 
And these people survive very well, right? Because they they keep to their their hygiene, they keep to their personal protection, and uh, and the coronavirus, uh, the, the the SARS virus was far more uh, lethal than the, than the current uh, the, this new coronavirus. But but do you uh, think you do, you, do you think this so, do you think that the uh, what Hong Kong people are doing in, in calling for the borders to be shut is that a form of xenophobia or, or racism directed well, against I, mainland Chinese? I think it, it, it is difficult to 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 tease out. Right? I think the, a lot of uh, fear is is uh, is understandable. Right? Although what I'm saying is that they may not be uh, proportional right to the to the threat right uh, that we are facing. So so. Um, that, that's that's the way I feel. Right? People should should calm down, right, and deal with the situation in a more sensible way, right. And uh, I, I don't if if it is necessary, right, if we have to protect ourselves, we 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 have the right to do everything, right, uh, which is uh, reasonable to protect ourselves, right. But uh, if uh, the situation is not that bad, then and we overreact, then that may not be justified, right, because that, uh, as I say, I mean. Uh, Closing the border has a lot of implications, right? And it may not be that workable, right? So, so that's, that's the way I see it. Right? And you, you probably could imagine there's a lot of people that want to close the border because they don't trust the Communist Party to tell the truth about what's happening. And people say, oh, you're being xenophobic. It's not the people they don't like. It's the Communist Party they don't trust. Okay. Well, we, we, let, just uh, one more comment from S uh, in response who says uh, to your correspondent, Peter, please don't bring politics into the health crisis. This is a new virus. We need to take as many precautions as possible before it becomes a real pandemic. Please listen to the medical personnel and not to your patriotic emotions. That comes from uh, S. Uh, Pampe Cho, thank you very much indeed for joining us. And thank you to Dr. Henry Young, President of the Hong Kong Doctors' Union. We're going to continue uh, after the news at uh, nine. If you've got any comment, uh, any takes, uh, please uh, share them by emailing backchat at rthk.hk. We'll do our best to read out your comments. The weather, it's going to be fine, cold, very dry. Cold weather warning now, 12 degrees, humidity at 48%. I will miss, uh, yeah, the, the British representatives, not all British representatives, for example. I don't think that we will miss Mr Farage, but uh, all the others, yes. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. This is Back Chat on a Thursday morning with Andrew Work and me, Hugh Chiverton. We're continuing to talk about aspects of the coronavirus, public health, uh, preventive measures uh, in Hong Kong, uh, what to do with the border, the issue of uh, distribution of masks. Uh, and maybe we could talk also today about the uh, WHO as they're making uh, their decision on whether to uh, call it an international uh, health emergency. Uh, thank you very much for your uh, emails. Backchat at rthk.hk uh, is the... Uh, uh, address. Uh, please, if possible, avoid sending links, obviously, because they don't really work on the radio. Um, or, to be honest, kind of complicated uh, figures um, don't come across that well uh, when, they're, when they're read out, especially not when they're mangled by me. Uh, apologies uh, for that. Um, uh, pithy comments are, uh, are always good uh, as well. And once again, uh, our email address, backchat at rthk.hk. Uh, or you can just pick up the phone and give us a call, 233-88266. And everyone can 
hear you directly. We should we should put them on Twitter, Hughes. You know, keep them down to 140 characters. Uh, yeah, that that would that, that would be useful. Cut that, them off. That yeah. that, <laughs> that might work. Uh, although obviously some things are uh, you know demand a little bit uh, greater length. Uh, okay, John uh, John Sai Kung says hi. Uh, so-called doctors should protect Hong Kong people, right? So why did Dr. Wong Kai Hing, control of the Center of Health Protection, continuously avoid answering a simple yes/no question? The press pushed for an answer, but he refused yes or no. John, I'm not sure what that question was. Could you could you drop us another email or, or let us know what that what you're referring to there with the question? Anyway, John continues too. It seems no equipment for healthcare workers again. The government did not learn from SARS. Why? And John says, three, I don't see any xenophobia. I see bloody common sense. That comes uh, from John. Thank you. Uh, and um, Andrew F. says, non-fitted standard paper face masks are largely useless at preventing a non-infected person catching a virus. Many scientific studies confirm this, but I understand psychologically it may make sense. N95 respirator-style masks are able to filter viruses, but if not fitted, they aren't 100% either, especially if eyes remain unprotected. Personal hygiene, washing hands, cleaning, etc. is probably of much more importance. That's uh, Andrew F's uh, take. Well, joining us uh, for the second part of the program, we have now Dr. Sridhar Siddharth, who's a clinical assistant professor in the Department of Microbiology at the University of Hong Kong. Dr. Siddharth, good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you for, for joining us once again. What about that question, first of all, and that comment uh, on masks? Uh, Andrew F. saying that uh, the sort of standard face masks you see are largely useless at preventing a non-infected person catching a virus. Uh, do you want to comment on that? Right. Well, there are a lot of uh, different types of masks out there. Um, the one that I think most people should be using now is actually the surgical mask, which is uh, which has gone through a number of uh, hurdles of certification, etc. It basically has three layers. One, uh, the outer layer repels fluids. The middle layer filters particles, and the inner layer actually absorbs moisture. So this three-layer mask is uh, reasonably effective in uh, preventing us from coming in contact with respiratory droplets from other people, which is believed to be the vehicle of this uh, new coronavirus and indeed most respiratory viruses. So that kind of mask for the average uh, individual or even average healthcare worker who's perhaps not in direct contact with uh, uh, patients with the novel coronavirus is reasonably effective. Um, I, but I completely agree with what uh, he said about the N95 mask. The N95 mask, although very much more effective in uh, preventing the virus from coming in contact with the virus, uh, however, must be tested before it is effective. So we see a lot of people wearing N95 on the street, and if the N95 is not right for their face, the protection is by no means as good as they think it is. But uh, there are a lot of fake masks out there. So there are single-layer kind of uh, paper masks that, you know, would basically dissolve if you put them in water. Now, that kind of product is uh, going to be absolutely useless. So there, I do agree with them. Hmm. How, how about the gas masks that people were using during the protest to protest from tear gas? Is that good for biological agents? No, it would uh, probably not uh, meet the grades for biological agents. Oh, really? Okay. Well, that's interesting. So worse than a, than a surgical mask? 
Yeah, well, I would say it's probably pretty similar, but there okay. are some things that the gas mask uh, may, may, may not be suitable for when it comes to protecting against uh, respiratory uh, uh, droplets, basically. Mm. How important is uh, wearing a, wearing a, a, that kind of mask, say a three-ply surgical mask, how important would you rate it? I would say it is what we can do that is uh, going to break the chain of transmission in the community as far as possible. Uh, the, the situation today in Hong Kong is somewhat different to that of SARS and that we've had a head start. So we are aware of this problem even before the first case came to Hong Kong. And we had diagnostic tests for it and people are highly aware. So if by chance there's a person coming into Hong Kong with the virus, and spend some time in the community. If you have a lot of people around at the ring of masked people per se, then it, uh, it, there's a higher chance that the chain of transmission is broken. So hand hygiene and wearing a mask are basically, you know, the, 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 the most important things that we can do to uh, uh, prevent a chain of transmission, a sustained chain of transmission from being established. Mm. Okay, we, uh, our number is 233-88266. we got Mike on the line now, I think. Mike, good morning. Good morning. I just read a study. 400 patients, um, and the those 400 patients went home with the flu. Their family members wore masks. Didn't matter what type of mask. It reduced the uh, infection, cross-infection rate by 80%. Yes. So to say that a paper mask or the other, you know, any type of mask, um, uh, some are better than others, um, any type of mask reduced the uh, cross-infection by 80%. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Good to know. Guy sitting next to me in the NPR today was just holding Kleenex up to his face. He looked a bit messy, but I think he was hungover. Uh, yeah. He <laughs> wasn't coughing or sneezing. <laughs> I don't sit down next to people. Stand up. <laughs> you don't need to sit down. Are you crippled? don't need to sit down on the NPR. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> Okay. Thank you very much. All right. Thank one, you. Okay, Mike. Thanks very much indeed for for that uh, comment. Uh, okay. Some uh, more thoughts from uh, listeners. Uh, Drake says, on yesterday's program, I mentioned that this pneumonia is more serious than SARS, as it is contagious even during incubation. But Hugh said he's heard the contrary as well. This is what you ought to know. First, on January the twenty sixth, also reported by RTHK, Beijing doctor Yan infected Beijing doctor Huang by sitting next to him at a conference on the. 14th. They looked decent and fair back then. Dr. Yan, the carrier, developed symptoms afterwards on the 18th. Second, at the press conference held on January the 26th, Director Ma of the Health and Sanitation Committee warned evidence had shown that the virus is contagious during the incubation period. Three, the German Health Ministry confirmed three further local cases yesterday. They were colleagues of the first patient who received training from a fair lady visiting from Shanghai. The fair lady just developed symptoms only on her return flight to China. Hugh, please re-educate whoever told you the contrary. Such misinformation would put people around him or her uh, at uh, risk. Um, Dr. Siddharth, can you can you uh, just uh, t tell us is the 
uh, is it understood now that the virus, this virus is contagious during the incubation period or not? What's the situation? Yeah, so uh, the, the, it, from the information coming out of China, which has obviously seen the largest number of cases and they know the most about this virus, there do appear to be cases that uh, acquire the virus from individuals during their incubation period. So even in the paper published by the University of Hong Kong, which is looking at a few cases in uh, the University of Hong Kong Shenzhen Hospital, uh, there was at least one individual who appeared to develop symptoms uh, much before the other members of his family. And uh, he had come in contact with someone who was uh, not symptomatic at the time, another group of family members in Wuhan. So... Um, Based on what we know so far, it appears possible that uh, unlike the SARS coronavirus this time around, this one seems to be infectious during the incubation period. Again, that that just uh, drives home the importance of wearing a surgical mask, you know, yeah. uh, because you never know who, I mean, uh, uh, not to spread panic, but it's important to stay safe and stay rational. So um, you never know who might be carrying the virus, especially in a very crowded area. So that, that would be the lesson. Okay. So some more uh, comments uh, from listeners. Okay, John says the question that was uh, this is clearing up that uh, issue. Uh, John Sai Kung says uh, uh, Dr. Wong Kar Hing, controller of the Centre for Health Protection, uh, was asked, did he recommend or suggest to the government closing the border, but he refused to answer. That was the uh, question uh, we were referring to earlier. Okay, uh, Alan says, back chat. So today we get a dozen messages accusing anyone who wants measures to prevent the entry of people from the mainland as racists, fascists, etc., etc. We already had a long delay before C.E. Lamb could get permission to admit there was any problem at all. It's not politicising the crisis to distrust the assurances of the CCP. It's insanity to trust them after they've lied to cover up every problem since the founding of the PRC. We know that the virus is in Wuhan first and all over China now. That's a fact, politically incorrect as it might be. The border cannot be closed, but very strict checks could be made from everyone coming from the mainland, as you cannot take anyone at their word where they have been. Tourism should be discouraged. Selling milk powder and Rolexes for a few weeks is not more important than the safety of the community. As for personal practical precautions, my suggestion is if you can't get hold of hand sanitizer, just get a bottle of isopropyl alcohol, very cheap. Fill a spray bottle if you have one. Rinse hands frequently. That comes uh, from Alan. Just before we continue on that uh, political theme, uh, Dr. Siddharth, what a, can, can you just get alcohol, just get a bottle of alcohol and use that? Make your own spray? Yeah. Well, actually, the recipe for alcohol hand rub is really simple and it's available online, but don't use uh, un- I mean, undiluted alcohol. You're going to put in uh, a little bit of uh, water and... Uh, there are some other additives to proper alcohol-based hand rub, but you do need some water to make sure that it is uh, that, that the alcohol actually works as it is supposed to. So, um, well, if you really, if we really are reduced to baking it uh, by ourselves, the World Health Organization actually has some recipes for that using pretty easy to available materials. But for the time being, of course, I would advise people to get alcohol hand rub if they can from. Uh, uh, from wherever. Hopefully the supplies start to pick up again a little bit after the Chinese New Year break. Okay. Yeah. You, do you add, is it glycerin? you add some water and glycerin? Is that what you add some water, uh, glycerin, uh, 
glycerin. Some people tend to add other things as well, but uh, yeah, that's basically water, glycerin, a bit of isopropyl alcohol or ethyl alcohol, but uh, the proportions are the most important and the WHO has recipes for that. Okay, mm. so all right, that's interesting. Uh, all right, some more response to the the call on the the, the borders. Uh, Andrew F says the email you read out from Peter earlier addressing the pandems and radical protesters politicizing of the virus concerns to further their anti-Chinese xenophobia was absolutely spot on. So that's uh, Andrew F uh, agreeing with Peter. Is there is there any evidence that those people are leading the current effort to get medical workers to strike? I mean. They're kind of pinning that on the pandems and radical protesters, but I mean, is there? Are they connected? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, okay, uh, Drake says enough of xenophobic conspiracy. What a waste of time! I support the medical practitioner's decision for a strike in light of the government's constant delay and weak response. If you have read my first email, you have understood how one undetected carrier could bring to a community. So that's uh, Drake's take. I don't know if that answers your question to some extent. Uh, all right. And uh, Rick says, does the panel think China would have shut the border if the virus had started in Hong Kong? I would hope they might have. That's uh, Rick's take. And uh, Richard says, I could, dear Bankchat, I could only smile today to see the CNO, the chief executive in name only, wearing a face mask at the usual stupid press conference. So I think the three ugly sisters are getting their due retribution for trying to ban such masks. Of course, we all know where this started with Maria Tam, the arch-communist CCPC member, and of course supported by dear Regina and then CENO. Listeners can make what they like of this episode, but you can't buy, beg, borrow or steal a face mask today. Please make our CE accountable and not hide behind our police force again. Will she use the medical profession this time? That uh, thought comes uh, from Richard. Once again, backchat.rthk.hk uh, is our uh, email address. A, a, a couple of comments. Oh, you wanted to ask one about yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I got, I got a question. I know a lot of people have been bringing this up. Um, Dr. Siddharth, uh, you know, yep. I, I keep coming back to this article in the SCMP uh, on January 7th, a year ago. So January 2019, the regular plain old every year flu was killing more than two people a day for the first week of 2019. What are the rates like this year? Uh and when we have a scare like this, does the regular flu drop off because people are taking more precautions against infection in general? Like, are we going to suffer less death from flu because people are worried about this Wuhan coronavirus? Yeah, great question. Um, for the mortality rate of this uh, new flu of the Zika coronavirus, we are still uncertain. You have these official figures from China about the number of deaths, you know, more than 100 by this stage, and the number of cases. But it's not a simple matter of dividing one over the other to get a mortality rate, because you do have a lot of uncertainty about those figures and how they're derived. So uh, a better way would be to look at the published articles. So we have had four published articles in highly esteemed medical journals so far. And you look at people who are actually admitted to hospital with the, uh, with this coronavirus. The mortality uh, among these 52 individuals was seven individuals. So seven or 52, that gives a figure of about 13%. So in a nutshell, 13% of people were admitted to hospital because of novel coronavirus pneumonia end up dying so that's one three percent so that it mostly tends to be uh more fatal for elderly patients with underlying comorbidities now for people in the community who get uh, novel coronavirus it, the, in, the illness might be much milder meaning they don't 
even have to come into hospital. So the overall mortality of the novel coronavirus is, I would say, uh, still uncertain at this stage. But for hospitalized people, we are pretty uh, certain of the answer. It's around 13%. For your second question, it, it might well be the case, you know, because everyone is wearing masks these days on the streets and also the rates of using alcohol-based hand drug or other disinfectant products are so high. I mean, even getting floor wipes or, or <laughs> for disinfectant is impossible these days. So given the, this level of personal hygiene and environmental hygiene, we might well see a bit of a drop or at least a delay in the normal kind of seasonal flu we see every year. But, uh, you know, Hong Kong famously has two peaks, so the flu season might come back with a vengeance later this year once the coronavirus thing dies down a little bit. You never know. But at least I don't expect us to see uh, a very, very severe flu season this year because the community is so vigilant. What what is the kill rate for the regular flu been this year so far? Has it been a good year? Like, the you know, for December, January, has it been a good year, bad year? Yeah, I mean, I know last year was bad. Yeah, I would say it hasn't started in earnest yet. We, we were just getting a, a bit of an uptick of cases in December and early January, but I think it hasn't formally started yet. And that's, that's what we do tend to see in Hong Kong for the last few years. It tends to be more towards February and March, perhaps gets pushed towards the more colder parts of the year. We had a, quite a warm November and December as well this year. So, so time will tell, but as you said, I expect it not to be as. Okay. Uh, I, I know you're you're an expert in, in infectious disease more than an epidemiologist, but mm. what's your take on? I mean, do you have any feeling on how long this is going to last? Is this going to be oh. days, weeks, months? It's probably going to last until the summer of 2020, at least. Um, that that would be my feeling. Definitely in China. So we normally declare an outbreak over two incubation periods after the last case. So that means in the case of this coronavirus, it's going to be 28 days after the last case of coronavirus in China. At this point, we see no end in sight to the cases uh, case number. But once it starts be tearing off, we still have to wait another month before the outbreak is actually declared over. So oof, I, I mean, very optimistic estimates would be May or June 2020. So does that mean we're going to be on lockdown until then? Um, rugby, might, se- rugby sevens are coming. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I certainly hope it uh, doesn't have too much of an impact on that. Um, uh, now, the the actual lockdown or the more draconian measures we see today would have to be rolled back at some stage. And that would... Uh, nobody, nobody can predict when that will happen. But that usually as the case numbers start... Uh, going down once they have a better handle on the disease, once uh, Chinese healthcare facilities are actually able to cope with the number of cases in the community, then you might start seeing a slight relaxation of, uh, you know, at this uh, stage of affairs. But when the case numbers are mounting as they are now, and nobody has a handle on how big this thing is, it is, uh, yeah, we are obviously being extremely careful in the is is it will it die out in the summer because the because the temperature does the uh, air temperature kill off the virus to some extent? There, there, there's a lot of research on these meteorological aspects, and it does appear that it's uh, more of a winter phenomenon, and uh, uh, the warmer temperatures may perhaps be less. 
conducive to how the virus spreads, and it's very complicated related to a number of meteorological variables. But uh, it does uh, it does seem to have an impact. And the other reason simply being that uh, we people tend to have a better uh, handle on the disease and better able to understand its transmission dynamics and perhaps how to prevent it, etc. So that's, that's, so this is. In contrast to what happened in December in China, when for much of December there was basically a, a hidden outbreak of infections going around the community and nobody really knew what it was until the first cases started being reported at the end of December. So that kind of situation is the worst and then there's sustained transmission in the community and nobody knows what's going on. But uh, once we get a handle of the disease and the weather starts to shift in our favor, hopefully Mm. But 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 you're talking you're talking about months. What an, another point is um, uh, in comparison with SARS. During SARS, there was a lot of talk about environmental hygiene, about cleaning back streets, about keeping keeping your home clean, and you had to wash things in bleach and even children's toys, and you know scrub everything down with with a dilute solution of bleach. There doesn't seem to be that kind of emphasis this time, is it? Why is that? Uh, you know, people don't talk about keeping the environment clean in the same way. Well, I, I would say environmental hygiene is extremely important, even in the case of this coronavirus, for public areas, for surfaces and public areas. So an example would be something like the, uh, I don't know, the, the handrail that we hold on to the MTR stations or buses or the escalator handles, lift buttons and shopping malls, etc. These are things that are touched by hundreds of people every day, right? So these, the, the, and, and then it's easy to touch these surfaces and then touch your eyes or touch your nose, uh, etc. when you remove your surgical mask. So this environmental hygiene still remains important. Environmental hygiene within the home is of course important for other reasons. But uh, as long as, you know, you have a certain set of clothes for your home and uh, you have a reasonable level of hygiene, I would say environmental hygiene in the home should be of an acceptable standard, but it doesn't really have to be overkill. But in public areas, wow, the environmental hygiene must be up to par or on average about what we normally do. Okay. Um, more emails. Bowen, with the subject line, Hatred and Phobia, says, Dear Bank Chat, no one is spreading hatred and phobia more than Peter and the other two contributors whose messages Hugh read out before the break. Now, this is the worst time to contaminate the discussion, which is already tense and fraught with controversies with politics, as Peter did. The main problem with Dr. Pan's last point is his advocacy of not taking all possible preventive action until things get really bad. The point here is to take such action to stop carriers getting into our community without being quarantined for the necessary period before things get really bad. There's no point closing the stable after the horse has bolted. That's uh, Bowen's take. GT says, a couple of points forgotten. First, the virus is now named WARS, W-A or WARS, W-A-R-S. Second, people are panicking. Not only masks are being sold out, the shelves for bread, rice, etc. are empty. Third, the English habit adopted after the Black Plague to cover the mouth with the hand when coughing and sneezing. It's clear above that we need to teach the locals good manners to help slow down or prevent these mass outbreaks. That's from GT. Little, little colonial uh, leftover there. And uh, <laughs> John says, hi, ask the doctor, what is the capacity stroke loading of Hong Kong hospitals? 
uh, that's what we started doctor, the hour with, Doctor Siddharth. You know, you know, can that can our hospitals cope? Well, it at the moment, yes. But uh, if there is sustained transmission in Hong Kong, then it's uh, it's it's touch and go. It's touch and go in terms of facilities as well as you know the uh, morale of healthcare workers as it is. So uh, when it starts, when I say touch and go, it means when you have sustained transmission in the community, you're talking about say uh, hundreds of thousands of cases. Hong Kong is a small place. Our healthcare facilities are small and they're cramped, and the isolation facilities are obviously limited. So, what that brings on the point is we have to do all we can to prevent person-to-person transmission in Hong Kong. We have to do all we can to prevent it because Dr. once it starts happening, it it can spiral out of control. Sure, Doctor Sir, a quick one before we go. Uh, report out of uh, Canada. Saskatoon, scientists of the Vaccine and Infectious Disease Organization, International Vaccine Center, they're working around the clock to develop a vaccine. Uh, Mm. If this, you know, like SARS kind of burned itself out, but if this becomes persistent, is this something we have to live with? Uh, You know, they said it might be up to a year to get a vaccine on market, and that's super fast, um, but of course the slowdown being human trials. Uh, what, What do you think the prospects are for a vaccine coming from Saskatoon or elsewhere? Canadian group, as well as many other groups around the world, are working round the clock. The virus is everywhere, so we actually have the virus to start studying it and to start developing vaccines. But as you said, the problem is the regulatory hurdles. It has to go through animal studies first. If animal studies pass faster, then it goes into human trials. So there's phase one, phase two, phase three human trials. Now, there are quicker ways of doing that, which we saw in the Ebola outbreak in Africa, where it was actually deployed on a kind of... uh, urgent or humanitarian basis in areas that needed it most. And um, if this, if if my earlier prediction was too optimistic and so this does tend to persist right through the year, then we might see a point where uh, vaccines are being deployed much earlier once there's preliminary data of their safety and efficacy. But again, I would say it would take um, several months, probably more than a year, before that, actually, we actually start seeing vaccines being used to kill them for this coronavirus. Well, I, I hope you're not being over optimistic <laughs> in anything you said <laughs> this morning. Thank you very much indeed for answering all our questions. That's uh, Dr. Sridhar Siddharth, the clinical assistant professor in the Department of Microbiology at the University of Hong Kong. Thank you very much indeed. Hugh, thanks for having me. And thanks for the, uh, the, the microphone mask that you put on to help protect my health. Everybody can see a picture of it on my Twitter. Okay, yes, the little yeah. mic condom. Yes. Uh, the weather forecast before we go. It's going to be fine. Cold this morning, very dry during the day. Temperatures up to about 18 degrees. And the outlook remaining cold tomorrow morning with a relatively large temperature difference between day and night. There's a cold weather warning, a red fire danger warning. 13 degrees now. Humidity is 44%. How should we prepare before going hiking? Here's some advice from the Agriculture, Fisheries and Conservation Department. Put on suitable clothes and footwear for hiking. Pay attention to changes in the weather and your physical condition. Carry enough drinking water and protect yourself against the sun. Plan ahead for your route and don't hike alone. Use managed and maintained trails and stay away from dangerous locations like cliffs and mountain streams. Then you can enjoy a safe hike. Plan well, hike safely. Enjoy nature's beauty. I'm 32, the news now with Samantha Butler.
Mainland authorities say the number of confirmed deaths from the new coronavirus has risen to 170, with Hubei province reporting all but one of the 38 new fatalities. The other death was in Sichuan province. It's the biggest single-day increase in fatalities. The World Health Organization will today decide whether to declare a global health emergency. Human rights group Amnesty International says 2019 was a year of both repression and resistance for Hong Kong, with youth at the forefront of people's struggle to protect fundamental freedoms. In its latest annual report on human rights in Asia, Amnesty says Hong Kong authorities are increasingly adopting the mainland's vague and all-encompassing definition of national security while violating people's rights to freedom of peaceful assembly, expression and association. And scientific findings published in the journal Nature suggest lungs have a remarkable ability to repair genetic damage caused by smoking, but only if you quit. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. Thanks, Sam. It is Thursday, the 30th of January. A very good morning, James Ross in for one day only. For Phil, as he darts around, as only Phil can. And we got a whole load of stuff uh, between now and one o'clock. Hope you're warmed up, wrapped up and ready for the off.